Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business, but without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual, and I'm joined by my co-founder and co-host, Paddy Mann. Morning, Paddy. Good morning. Morning. So, um, I want to ask the audience, have you ever hired someone and then discovered that their skill level is way below what you imagined? This happens a lot. The culprit is not effectively reviewing their capability to do the job during your recruitment process. As you'd imagine, this can, uh, can lead to a lot of stress and frustration. So in today's episode, we're going to dig deeper on this subject. So Paddy, let's start with what kind of pain can we expect if we hire someone without the right skills to do the job? Cool. Well, uh, we, we often we dig into the stress around all sorts of subjects. This is probably one of the more obvious ones, uh, because I think everyone's been in a job where they've been working with someone else who's struggled and hasn't been able to keep up, hasn't been able to be, do their part in the team, uh, hasn't essentially been delivering the value that the team needed. In some cases, not delivering any value at all. And uh, so actually, throughout our, our time in this company, it's, it's an area we've been better at. We've found people who've got most of the core skills. Uh, but when I reflect back on many of the larger organizations that I worked in in the past and, and, and some smaller ones, there were often team members there who, I don't know, they almost felt like dead, dead weight. They were there, they were in the team, but they weren't delivering a, a high amount of value. They weren't someone that you wanted to have on your team it was almost, you know, acknowledged that you, you had this person, they would be there, but they would be, uh, in some cases, you know, not, not contributing, in other cases, holding you back, in other cases, actually, you know, causing issues by creating solutions that are of a lower quality, by causing uh, mistakes, which going to get picked up by, um, by the team, and then by customers, causes all sorts of pain. And so it's, it causes pain for the business and it causes a real impact and stress for the other team members who are, you know, trying to do their job and, and working to a high level. Yeah. And I think um, it's funny, you, you know, you say that um, this is an area that I think comparatively relative to other areas that we've worked on or challenges that we've had in the business, something that we've been good at. But I think, um, I think that's probably been a product of two things. One is that when we um, first made a first, uh, our first few hires, um, we uh, uh, we didn't get it fully right, but also I think we were just terrified of getting it wrong. I think that um, you know in, in the past we've generally been on the reluctant side of hiring um, for for various reasons versus some business owners that I know that you know it, like they they hire really really quickly and and early and and so on. Um, which you know has its own set of problems, but I think as a result, because we were so worried that it would not do well, I think we did more research into how to make sure that we select. I think the other reason, um, and I don't, know, I don't know about you actually, but for me personally, I always felt like I wouldn't be very good at assessing whether someone was good at a job based on interviews. Like, and, uh, and I looked up to people that I kind of felt like were, you know, the kind of people that um, would say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm good at getting a really good read of people. Uh, and I've, I've met su uh, successful and unsuccessful business owners that both say that, um, where they say, oh, you know, I can meet someone, I can, I, I, can, I can get a good feel for, you know, just by 
how they serve me a coffee or whatever, like whether, oh yeah, this person would be really, really great in my organization. Whereas I always felt like, nope, I get, like, I, I don't feel confident enough. And so we did a lot to make sure that um, that was uh, in place and we'll, we'll cover, um, I'll cover, ask shortly about like, what do we do and how do we make sure that we do that and, and well, how can businesses do that? Let, let, me, other, uh, let me feed in because there, there is yeah. something that we, we did do wrong mm. early on. So what would happen is we would have uh, need to bring in an engineer or salesperson or whatever, and we would recruit them. And something that we are reasonably good at was finding out whether they had the, the, the core skills. And I, I don't think we did it in the most effective way back then. We didn't get uh, the, as strong a candidates as we do with our updated uh, process, which I'll share in a little bit. But we did get okay people. And, you know... It, being a small business uh, at that time, it, it cost us so so much. We were determined to make sure we made a, yeah. a, a good hire. So we started off well. The big mistake that we made was hiring for one role and then mm. assuming that they could do other things that they said they could. And so we had instances, for example, where we would um, hire someone into a sales position and we would see their uh, CV. And we've also been speaking on this podcast about why CVs aren't the best things to be reviewing, but we'd see on the CV, they, they also had experience in, in marketing. And we're like, oh, okay, that's brilliant because we've also got a marketing issue. We've got a big hole there. Uh, so we get them ill and we get them in ramped up and on the sales and we've tested this, this skill during their recruitment process. And they, they get up to speed pretty easily. And then we go, okay, how, how else can we use this resource? Maybe they can help out in these other areas where I know they've got some experience. And that's where things started to fall apart because um, while they did have some experience, it was an area of the business where, frankly, we hadn't put the right processes or expectations in place. And they were not in a position where they could simply take what they'd done in a previous role when they had been well supported and make it work for our, our business. And we hadn't in that area of the business worked out exactly what skills we needed or tested for it. And so, you know, there's certain skills in, in marketing where you need to be able to write long form articles or produce videos or whatever. And they're really different skills that different people have. And we hadn't tested for any of that. So this was someone who, you know, it said that they'd done some marketing and we, we thought we'd, we'd nailed it. We'd, we'd, got two uh, two birds of one stone but really we hadn't and it led to enormous stress because while they were um, we'd hired them to do one job they were doing that job well they were being asked to do a second job at the same time which they weren't equipped to do which actually if we were to have you know created a recruitment process and hired for we might have not have hired them because uh, the skills that we needed were different, but we weren't, weren't even supporting that role well. And that, you know, that led to huge amounts of stress for us because uh, we thought that they were, it seemed like they were underperforming. Yet if you were really, you know, thought about it, go, we hired them to do one thing, they're doing that brilliantly. They're underperforming because of all sorts of other reasons. And for the person that had been put into that position, you, you can imagine, you know, they're getting cold sweats. They, they don't know what's being expected. They want to... Uh, take on more responsibility. They want to deliver as much value as they can to the team, but yeah, we 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 kind of screwed them. Yeah, and I think um, it's uh, as you say, it, like, there's various sorts of stress for it. I think one of them is for the business leader is still weeks or even months into hiring that person, the stress around still not knowing quite whether the issue is that they haven't got the skills, 
or whether your managing of them has been insufficient to help them get the result. Because I think in some cases, people hire someone that has got the skills, but they don't give them the onboarding, the training, the support, the performance management, the accountability, the metrics, the clarity, and as a result, or, or, you know, and processes and whatever, so that they can do a good job and that they can, they can deliver the results. The challenge, of course, is that in some cases, genuinely, that person hasn't got those skills and how do you tell the difference? And, that, and I think it's why it makes it extra important that you, that you upfront um, put those measures in place uh, to, to make sure that you can uh, assess that they've got the right skills so you can be more confident that as long as you then provide the appropriate support and so on as you go on, um, that you can deliver that. So let's dive, let's dive into that. So how do we make sure that we hire someone who excels in the skills that are needed? Cool. Well, as you say, you kind of you want to have these things put in place on the on the other side. So once you've hired them, you've got the frameworks, you've got the um, you know the, the processes that they will be able to follow, the resources that they're going to need to use, the way of onboarding them so they're able to excel in their role. And obviously, this is something we're we're huge on. We've got loads of episodes on how to sort out your onboarding, how to get your processes in place. Um, and the reason that we actually come onto recruitment later is because. We, we would say, you know, you need to get the, yeah, the onboarding in place before and that clarity before you then look to recruit. So if you if you then want to, you know, work this out, the first thing you need to do is get really clear on what key skills and experience they need to bring to the job. And that is not necessarily the same as going, what's everything this person is going to do? So, you know, for... Um, uh, sales, they're going to have to um, uh, do sales calls and write emails and so on, but they're also going to have to know about competitors uh, and our products and various other things. Um, and so you, there's a there's a divide. Some of these are skills they need to be able to bring. So they need to be able to write well. They need to have good written communications. We shouldn't be starting from the point where they haven't you know, learned English, that they're not able to uh, write concisely. That's, that's an area that where we would be looking at as a starting point. Same for uh, talking to people on calls. They need to be able to bring enthusiasm to those calls. They need to be able to go passion. They need to be able to uh, summarize points uh, concisely. They need to be able to listen to the customers and so on. And so these are the skills which are um, uh, definitely not universal for everyone that's going to apply for this job. They can be very difficult to teach, um, but they're, not, they're also not specific to, um, to, to our company. So we're looking for people to bring those in. Whereas there's a lot of uh, additional guidance about how we do it in our company, such as, you know, there's a, a process for how we take each customer from or each lead from uh, that first conversation all the way to being a customer and beyond that process. And even the, the, the script at high level of how you're going to conduct calls and the templates for how you're going to follow up on emails uh, for common questions, um, details about our products and our competitors. These are all things that we can provide mm. to someone who has those skills. So they don't, they don't need to be an expert. They don't need to come in knowing how to create those resources when they don't exist. They kind of need to be there if we want to be able to hire um, at, a, uh, at a reasonably affordable level. And so you, kinda, you split the two and you're looking for the, the core skills that will really differentiate the, the great people from the mediocre 
uh, and the ones that are hard to train versus the stuff that you would want in place and you would need in place if you're going to scale up a, uh, a scale a, scale up a team. Yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I love that, and I think that the um, you know I think it's it, it's so common that so so many business leaders uh, essentially have processes that uh, for their recruitment that don't fully do that. You know, whether it's as it, as you mentioned before, like what we kind of used to do, um, which was over reliance on CVs and oh, you say that you've got this experience, kind of talk to me about that, rather than really demonstrating the skills that you're looking for. Um, which <laughs> reminds me a bit like uh, I think you know something that's um, probably so well known it's become basically a meme now is uh, a, a way of testing a set a want a wannabe salesperson is you know sell sell me this pen um, and of course the uh, a salesperson that's not very good will go okay well this is the this is the best pen in the world like it's you know it's got this cushion grip and a great sound when it clicks and all this kind of stuff and yet what you're looking for is someone to say well you know, write something down for me, you know, like, can you, can you write down your name? And if they go, well, I haven't got a pen, it's like, well, good news, I've got one and I can sell it to you. And I think, um, you know, why why do people like that and, and why does that exist as, as a thing? And it's because what you're really trying to do is, I, is um, assess the skill of, in this case, a salesperson, of... Uh, realizing and, and and looking for how do I create or um, shine a spotlight on need rather than than push and and, and just describe and I think what we found is uh, you know in fact I, I remember some of the recruitment processes that I, I went through when I was becoming a management consultant like 15 16 17 years ago um, I remember that uh, I would attend these uh, recruitment processes where they'd be like oh you know how many uh, tennis balls can you fit in an aeroplane or you know the, uh, how many windows do you think there are in New York and in theory those are designed to be clever lateral thinking questions because the idea is that particularly for that role as a consultant it's about your bit ability to think around a problem and think laterally and, and and take something that's very complex and doesn't have a good answer and create some constraints and so on but of course the fact that it's slightly ridiculous is what makes you know it become almost a sort of like a source of ickiness, particularly I think in, uh, in in today's recruitment landscape. And I think instead finding the ways in which you can legitimately like assess someone's skills for the role using something that is work related doesn't require the knowledge that you can give them anyway, and is simple enough that that they have a good shot of doing it. But um, but equally isn't in you know, fantasy land, uh, I think is really important. In fact, I was talking to a business owner uh, just yesterday who's uh, a client of ours and talking about uh, their recruitment process uh, for a particular role. Um, And they, uh, you know, and we were essentially talking about like, so how are you making sure that you've got the skills? And they were taking me through like, oh, well, I get them to do, you know, this specific activity. I give them this recording and that they have to then do this with it. And I'm looking for, can they achieve these things? Um, and uh, uh, partly they had done that as a result of um, stuff that I'd spoken to them about sort of months before, which is fantastic to see. But like the difference, the difference that you create when that per- that business leader is becomes so confident that that person is going to be the right choice because they've seen the work that they can put out. They've seen them demonstrate the very specific skills that they're looking for, which comes back to your point around you have to be clear on what skills you actually are assessing for and not assume that they're, they're good at things. But like when you do that, it becomes so much easier to, to you know make sure that people are going to excel, right? 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and you, you're just giving that um, that challenge early on of, of hiring someone, <coughs> excuse me, of hiring someone and not knowing whether it was a recruitment process or the way you're supporting them. And we, we had a, uh, a software developer that we um, bought in when our processes for onboarding and, and so on were not good enough. Mm. And what was brilliant was that we'd actually got our recruitment process sorted out at that point. And I had taken over a thousand candidates to the end and I'd been really sharp on making sure I was testing for the things that were really important for a software developer. So I knew that this person, uh, I didn't care that he knew like 20 different languages. I didn't want him to tick every single box. I was looking for people who were really sharp at development because I know from my own experience on other teams that it's these people that make things fly compared to everyone else on their team. And this person had clearly demonstrated it. And yet when he was in the team, he was uh, struggling to, to keep pace and get things out. And that was, uh, on the one hand, it was a very stressful time because mm -hmm. we weren't getting results. And I was having to do long code reviews in the evening. But what was great was w I was actively questioning how I hired the right person. And I could go back to the recruitment process and go, mm -hmm. yes, I know that I've looked at over a thousand people and this person was shining through. It's not a problem that this person doesn't know how to code. I'm not going to be able to find uh, someone who's uh, 10 times better. There's something else which is going wrong with the process which you need to fix and was then able to um, able, able to address that. Yeah, I love that. And I think one thing that, um, the, that uh, you put in place there that I think is um, unusual, I've seen some uh, businesses talk about doing it, but I think it's, uh, it's still relatively unusual, um, is kind of that mini project that, uh, that we would have right at the end of the process, which is really interesting because um, sometimes we've had developers get through to that stage who are absolute rock star, speedy developers. And then we've found that when they get to that stage where they're, um, they essentially have to ask questions to evaluate the scope and the requirements, um, that it's important that they kind of recap their understanding, come with some thoughts and check that, go away, do some development, you know, share that again to make sure that they don't go off on a tangent and review that. And what's interesting is that you sometimes will get a rock star developer who will assume that they've understood it too early and as a result, go, oh, yeah, 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 I get it. And they go off and they're silent and there's no updates and no questions and no recapping. And what they create out the end, although they've been quick to develop it, they haven't done any of those check-ins. And as a result, they've gone way off base. And in some cases, we, you know, we, well, in many cases, we proactively push and go, oh, we've not heard anything. And we, we, you know, to see whether it is it just a training or coaching issue. But in some cases, we've seen candidates who are actively... Um, anti that approach and they'd like no 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 like leave leave me to it and so on and what a brilliant thing to learn in the recruitment process rather than three to six months into that hire right because if you suddenly find like oh we'd have hired them they'd have gone off create something they would have felt like they could they created something amazing and everyone else is slow and yet we'd go but you've created the exact wrong thing and we're trying to create x and you've done y and all this sort of stuff and so i think having that that kind of you know whether it's mini projects, role plays, 
having those as part of your recruitment process works in both directions, right? Both for you as the as the hiring manager, making sure that you've made a good decision uh, and the benefits that you described, but then also the um, for the employee, the confidence that they can have that, oh yeah, I've done a role play and I know I can do this really well. And as a result, um, when I'm then in the role itself, it becomes easier. Like on the in the sales side, um, we do a, a one of the role plays we do is they we call it a tricky customer. Uh, well, but role before you go, on, let me um, let, let me just no, take yeah, this a couple of a couple of steps back because I think we're 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 jumping on, and these are brilliant examples. But um, essentially, just for the for the for the audience listening, what's the what's the process that you, that leads mm. to us having these mini projects? So. The first step that I described earlier, we're going to get really, really clear, clear on the key skills and experience that they need to bring to the job versus the stuff that you can give them. Then the second thing that you need to do is basically set the objective for yourself of only making the hire when you feel confident that they have these skills. Yes. And then the third step is to work out what activities are needed to make you feel confident. And in the development role, as as you've then uh, shared with some a brilliant example there is I'm looking one to to demonstrate that uh, to see that they're a really uh, smart and fast coder developer that they can work themselves around logical problems really quick, but that's actually not enough because I know that there's lots of other uh, things that trip up a developer. So we have a you know, after the 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 culture fit interview we have an interview with uh, the development lead where we'll. Uh, actually get them to do some coding we'll ask them various questions but it's not enough i i don't feel confident at that point so we have a, a mini project as, as you've described and it's uh, like up to 20 hours we do pay for that and this may feel crazy to people who haven't done development but this is basically the the, the best practice in the industry for very good reasons and we do often find people who have been excellent to the end of the mini project and then you you see some big red flags about the way they're communicating and the way they're interacting. And, and we've saved ourselves huge cost, huge cost in terms of the cost of hiring them in this, in the pain it would cause to the team by identifying those red flags really, really, uh, late in the journey. It wasn't possible to do without that mini project. So then really effectively. Um, so that's how we how we do it in development. Um, you know, the whole process end to end. We've we've done a, a, a assessment of we ask three questions to see if they're likely to be a good fit for culture. We've then done a, a, a test where they go away and do some coding exercises to see if they're likely to have the right skills. We've then done a culture fit interview to confirm that they're a really good fit for uh, up for our values. We've done then have a uh, interview with the uh, development lead to see if they've really got the skills that we're looking for, but it's still not enough. So we then have a mini project and it, it might sound like a lot, but that is essentially the fastest and most time efficient way for both people, for both our team and for the developer to get to the point where we feel really confident that we're hiring an A player and they also feel really confident in us. And I'll tell you what, when we get to the uh, end of that process, we know that we're making a great hire and the feedback that we get from every 90 plus percent of the candidates is absolutely stellar, including the ones that don't get offered a job because they feel like it's been a really positive experience uh, the, the whole way. And they've often grown uh, and learned uh, as part of it. So that's how we do it as development. You were about to share how we do it in the sales to give a, a different perspective. 
Yeah, and and and, and uh, yeah, thank you for sort of for repicking us up on that because I think you're right. Like it, it's important that people understand. Like we don't start with a mini project or whatever. Like you go through those stages, um, and we can uh, perhaps uh, share um, uh, share a checklist with our recruitment, pro- you know, with that with that recruitment process, so people can see it in context. Because I think sometimes when you hear it like this, it just feels like there's a load of stuff, and actually, it's a very linear process where we're funneling people as as we go um and we provide prompts and and quite you know clear briefing partly to make it easy for us but partly to make sure it's consistently delivered for every candidate so that you can uh, accurately compare and so um we can we can share some of those things but i think as you say for sales one of the things that i find um, really useful. So you mentioned that you know I've got various stages that, uh, early on, with um, including getting them to um, write a customer email in response to an example question. So it's like a, resp- a response. So we're looking for certain um, ability to think about what's the customer's mindset, what's the real problem that we're trying to solve here, um, and uh, and as a result, write a, a response that is both immediately useful to the customer, but also ask the questions to check some assumptions and, and those sorts of things. Whereas if they just reply with like, oh. Our pricing is on our website. It's like they're not going to be a good fit because it was a it was a more complex question than that. Um, but one of the, one of my favourite parts of the sales uh, and customer success kind of uh, hire type process is uh, what we call the tricky customer role play. And it's funny because I think everyone assumes that a tricky customer is going to be like an angry customer. It's going to be someone who's like, yeah, I'm you know I'm not happy about X or Y. And actually, in our experience, m- most of your tricky customers are not ones that are um, angry. Uh, they're, they're, by comparison, relatively easy to deal with. You uh, apologize, look to understand what their issue is, help them solve it. But the, the tricky ones are actually the ones that, that are struggling to follow you and um, uh, and often don't follow you and are, like, they're apologetic about it. They're not, they're not angry with you. They're just trying to understand and they struggle. And so I love that as a, as a role play because essentially I'm seeing, does the salesperson, does the customer success person, do they empathize sufficiently to start where the customer is rather than just assume like, oh yeah, so if you're on our website, you can go here, like, you know, so the customer's asking some questions there and they start apologetically and it's like, oh, well, you know, you can go over here and you can do this and da 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 like, if that's what they're doing, if that's what the salesperson, the customer success person, whatever, if they just run off and do that, they're not showing enough empathy, they're not asking enough questions, then I know they're not going to be a, a good fit. And so it's, it's interesting to see how do they deal with that. Um, and, uh, you know, one that we, um, uh, one part of that, uh, which I'm conscious I'm giving a little bit of a, a secret for our recruitment process, um, so uh, for, for candidates doing it, cl- close your ears, uh, but um, what you know, th- there are some questions in there. In fact, if I tweak it slightly, it'll be okay. Um, one of the questions, um, essentially, there isn't a good answer for. There isn't a perfect answer. Is probably more accurate. And so, whilst the candidate will have done some research, there's no way that they can give an absolutely perfect answer. And so, I want to see how do they deal with that because that's the reality in real life. You can't research everything and have every piece of knowledge when you're in that situation. And so, I'm looking for that in that role play. I'm looking for how do they deal with that? And it's interesting seeing some people who come super prepared, like they've done more research than I expected, but absolutely like that throws them and they, and they really struggle and, and so on. And so, you know, that, that doesn't mean, oh, well, they're definitely not the right fit. I have to kind of explore that. But it is so 
enlightening and illustrative that if we didn't have that in place, like I'd, I'd, I'd be coming from such a worse position. And it's the kind of thing that you'd only find out days, weeks later, because the way it often shows up is that that person, if they feel like they need to know everything, they never really feel like they take too long to feel comfortable having calls with customers because it's like, oh, but there's still so much I need to know. And of course it's like, well, actually you just need to know a bit more than the customer so you can help them and be able to agree that you'll go away and get some information if, if you're missing something. And so it's those sorts of things are really important to, to get out, but it comes exactly back to what you said before around identifying what's the objective, what's the skills that you need to be able to assess and how are you going to uh, capture that as, as we go through. Anything else to add before we, uh, before we move to a close? No, I, I love the, the example. I think some people listening might be going, oh, do you really need that skill or, or, or whatever? And it's, it's, about, it's just about us identifying the skills that we've seen help people to excel. And that's ultimately what we're, we're doing. We're basically finding ways to go, uh, firstly, are there any red flags? Are they really going to flounder? If, we, if, if, you know, if there's any attitude or whatever in one of those uh, sales calls, then thank goodness we identified that and removed them from the process. But then there's going to be lots of people that kind of do okay and could have could have got further with with more training. But this is what we're doing in A players. We're trying to find the top, you know, ten percent, given the amount that we're able to pay and the uh, the industry and so on. And so we're looking for those indicators that this is not just someone who's uh, capable, but is uh, a superstar. And when you create a team of superstars that are you know, really good and really capable of growing and, and excelling in their roles, then your whole business is, is really going to um, benefit and, and, and fly. So it's, it's not about just getting people that can possibly do it. We're looking for, to get the, the A players and it, yeah. it makes a huge difference and solves so much uh, pain, stress down the line and just helps you get the opposite. You, you know, you, you get people who can fly uh, and who you can help to, to grow with you and your business. Fantastic. Thank you, Paddy. Well, in this episode, we've essentially been covering, you know, the, uh, if you don't make sure that someone's got the capability to do a job, it obviously creates a lot of stress, <laughs> both for the, uh, the employee, but also for, for you and the rest of the team if, if, uh, if they're not up to the job. And even if you're just not sure whether they're up to the job, Ideally, you'd get to watch them in the role performing it so that you can go, oh, OK, yeah, have I got a sense of that? But of course, that's not possible. They haven't got all the knowledge that they're going to need. That's going to need to come later and you haven't got that time. So to some extent, what I've described is working backwards to say, OK, what are the key skills? What are the key things that I need to assess? And what's the what's an appropriate way I can assess that to make sure uh, that someone's got the capability uh, to do the job? Now, as regular listeners will know, we also run a weekly webinar on how to free up 15 hours per week and remove the constant stress of running a business without slowing down growth. The feedback we get on this session is amazing. Please do come along. It's typically every Wednesday at 1pm UK time, but you can find out more and register for the next one at www.airmanual.co forward slash webinar. And a final note for our podcast listeners, as a new podcast, we do need your help. If you found the content today valuable, please just take one minute to leave us an honest review, uh, either five stars or one star, frankly, <laughs> is, is what helps us. This will help the podcast get more visibility and help more people. And if you're on social media, please do like it, subscribe it, repost it. it makes a huge difference to us and we really do appreciate every single one. Otherwise, until next time, have fun. <laughs>